Greetings, and welcome to episode 16 of Third Heaven Authority Podcast. I'm Mike Thompson. We've been talking about prayer, mysteries of prayer, edifying prayer, encouraging prayer, prayer that releases the dynamics of heaven itself into our lives. It begins to develop and, and allow us to walk into our destiny with God. It's all about binding and loosing and spiritual warfare. And man, the Holy Spirit does so much through us with prayer. Today, I want to talk to you about the art of interceding, the art of intercession. You know, intercessory prayer, standing in the gap for other people that are around us, is such a powerful dynamic. I'm going to play a clip again to you from that series on the mysteries of prayer that I did a few years back. And we're going to learn some things about intercessory prayer, how to do it effectively, what it's for, what it accomplishes, not only for those that we may be praying for, but for ourselves. Again, I remind you, this is all connected with walking in third heaven authority. The reason is because I have a very effective prayer life. CK and I, for years, have been praying in the Spirit, in tongues, as well as in English, for hours every day. We have an intimate relationship, not only with the Father and with the Son, but also with the Holy Spirit. The busier I get and the less I pray, then I just find my effectiveness just going down. Not hearing the Holy Spirit as well as I should. I seem to be having less encounters with God. So I'll immediately go back into my prayer closet and begin to connect with God and His purposes. So listen to this clip, and I'll be back on the other side. 1 Timothy 2. Now, we have been studying this the fourth week on the mysteries of prayer. Mysteries of prayer based upon 1 Corinthians 14.2, which Paul says that when you pray in other tongues, in the Spirit you speak mysteries. So even though in a general sense there are all kinds of prayer, and indeed I'm going to kind of point that out a little bit today, we have been actually focusing on praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, and the power and the real ability of God to release through us the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven as we begin to pray. And those mysteries are not just to be hidden, they are to be revealed. And so when we pray in tongues, praying in the Spirit, by the way, uh, I showed you last week that throughout the New Testament, that when the Apostle Paul talked about in the Spirit, that he was referring to tongues primarily. Now, you can pray in the Spirit in English. I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit's on you. He can, he can motivate you. You can pray in English in authority by revelation of the Spirit. But primarily throughout Scripture, um, what I revealed to you from the text is that Paul said, that when you pray in other tongues, your spirit prays, and that in the spirit you speak mysteries. Okay? So, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says in verse 1, Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now keep your finger right there 
And look at Ephesians 6 with me. In verse 18, after all of the armor that he talks about putting on so that we can be successful in deflecting all the wiles, the strategies of the enemy. Verse 18, he says, prayer and supplication in the spirit. So praying always, praying always. Apostle Paul said that he prayed without ceasing. Praying always. That doesn't mean that, you know, you're on your knees or in your prayer closet at home in the sense of sitting right in your designated place when you read your Bible, etc. But having a heart of prayer. Always being willing under any situation to, in the spirit, communicate with God. Because prayer is communication with God. A lot of people think that prayer is God give me. You know, like we live in Las Vegas, the great slot machine in the sky. It's a way of pulling the handle and dumping out the goods, hopefully. No, it's a whole lot more than that. It's communion with deity. It's talking with God. It's fellowshipping. It's living with God, being with God. And always in the Spirit being hooked up with Him. And always in the Spirit being willing to release the mysteries into any and every situation. So he says, always, praying always. That means in every season and on every occasion, regardless of the situation. With all prayer, meaning every form, every manner of prayer that there is. In the Spirit, to do it, and to do it with perseverance. I want you to remember the word perseverance, okay? Now, back in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, when he said, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Then he goes on, he talks about for kings, government leaders, and so forth. And the reason that he wants that is so that we can uh, lead a good, uh, a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. Because that's good in the sight of the Lord. Okay? The word supplication there is a word that means specific prayer. That when you go to God and you're, you're being very specific about a situation that's going on in your life or the lives of those that are around you. It's, it's bringing a specific petition unto the Lord. The word prayers is a more general word. It's a word that means all kinds of connection with God, all kinds of prayers, and specifically it, it, it does involve worship and adoration of God. So it involves that kind of praise just being with the Lord. The word intercession is a word that means to pray for or in behalf of another, for someone else other than yourself. Now let me give you a little key right here. In Romans 8, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays for us through us. And the reason that when we speak in tongues very often, it meets the form of intercession, even though, or the definition of intercession, even though we are praying for ourselves, it's not us so much that's doing the praying. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing the praying for us. He intercedes through us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, we have a Lord and Savior who is ever at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, the Bible says. 
everything that Jesus did in coming to this earth and giving himself and then dying and being raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father and sending the Holy Spirit is intercession. It's all intercession for us. You know, in Isaiah 59, 16, the Bible uh, in prophetic uh, knowledge said that God looked at the state of the world and the entire world was in sin. And he said that he wondered that there was no man and that there was no intercessor. There wasn't anyone on the face of the earth. He was looking for a man. He was looking for a human being who qualified to stand in the gap, which, by the way, in Exodus 22:30 is another terminology for this kind of intercessory prayer. Standing in the gap for somebody else in order to bring them into what they should be. And so the Lord Jesus came because God looked and there was no one, there was no man, there was no intercessor, there was no one that was qualified because spiritual death was in the heart of all. God knew that it would take the shedding of blood by a pure and holy spirit, as it says in, in Hebrews, where it says that Jesus, by the spirit of his blood, that it would take that pure blood to redeem mankind. And there wasn't any. All of mankind, from Adam and Eve forward, were tarnished. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who came as the man, the God-man, perfect, the only one that was born on the face of the earth who didn't have the sin nature, and he gave himself as a sacrifice. Okay. So the intercession ministry of Jesus is there. Now guess what? We're part of his body, aren't we? If we're part of his body, then what do you think part of our ministry is? Intercession. Intercession. If he's ever making intercession for us, then what are we doing? We are also ever making intercession for ourselves and for others. The Holy Spirit through us but also for others. Intercessory prayer. Now, then he says the giving of thanks. And the giving of thanks is talking about an attitude of praise and adoration to the Lord God for what he's doing on the face of the earth and in the body of Christ, uh, and that we are walking in love and harmony with what Jesus loves. What does Jesus love? Number one, he loves the sinner and wants him saved. And once they're saved, what does he love? He loves the believer, and he wants them maturing, and he wants them blessed, and he wants the kingdom flowing through them. Now, with that in mind, I want you to turn with me to the 11th chapter of Luke, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass as he, referring to Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, one of the things that I have noticed is that every believer that I've ever come in contact with really wants to pray, wants to know how to pray. But so many of them don't understand the power of prayer, don't understand how to release the mysteries of prayer. So that's why I'm teaching on it. Verse 2. 
So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Stop. That's the end. That's the entire teaching of Jesus on prayer. So let's go around and quote that verbatim and fulfill it. Well, with that kind of an attitude, we miss really the mark of what Jesus was trying to say in two forms. Number one is that he wasn't teaching them a prayer to be recited verbatim, something that was just out of habit that becomes just meaningless rhetoric to us, you know, spewing verbiage that we forgot the meaning of years ago. He's really talking about an attitude of prayer. He's talking about connecting with our Heavenly Father, and he brings out the principles of prayer there that are, are very important, and I'd love to teach on them right now, but that's not where I'm going. Number two, the second area that we miss it, is in thinking that Jesus stopped there. He didn't. He continued talking about prayer, teaching on prayer. And he went into the next verse, and he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. So what we establish here is that Jesus, still talking about prayer, begins to go into another dynamic of prayer that I'm going to label today as intercessory prayer with consistency and persistency. There's a friend that has and a friend that doesn't have. This man has a friend who is in need, who doesn't have what he needs in order to sustain life or happiness, anything else. And so the man goes to a friend that does have. He has the ability to meet that need even though he himself doesn't. Now, he in hospitality, if you've ever been to the East, if you ever, I don't know how that, if you ever have been to the East, uh, you notice that hospitality is a very big thing. Making sure that they take care of those that are visiting in their home and so forth. When I was there and preaching, it was a biggie. I mean, there were times when I was preaching in India that I would go into a house and be served dinner, and the woman of the house would not even let me fill my plate. She'd put the plate before me, and then she would serve everything, and I'd get about half through with one, and she'd be right back over there putting more food, whatever the dish was, back on it. And you couldn't tell them no, because it would be offensive. You just had to enjoy it being lavished upon you hospitality so is so so important and so this person 
wants to be hospitable to the friend who is in need. But he doesn't have the ability to do so either. And you know what? When Peter prayed for that lame man at the beautiful gate, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. We find, and I think that you probably have noticed it in your life, that so many times that you do not have the ability to meet the need of those that are around you. How many times have you gone to the Lord yourself just paying for your own needs? Then there's the needs of your family, the needs of your friend. And you really, really want these to be met, but you find that there's a deficit in your life. Jesus said one day, the poor you'll have with you always. That wasn't a derogatory remark. He actually was quoting Old Testament scripture that actually had a lot of love for the destitute. It wasn't that ignore them because they're always around. He was just saying, you don't have the ability to meet every need. We do not have the ability in our own finances, with our time, any of our natural resources to meet all of the needs. And not only that, but some of them, how in the world do you do it? Because a lot of those needs have to do with people, with personalities, with situations that are in their life, with their backgrounds, you know, with stuff that maybe they're going through because of the way that they were raised and their belief structure and belief system and all this. You know, I don't know how many times that I have helped people and helped them and helped them and helped them right up to the point that they just went off and just kept doing the same thing because they couldn't break free. So my point is that in the natural, we do not have the means. We do not have the bread. We do not have the wherewithal to meet all of the demands and all of the needs that are placed in our lap or come across our path in some form. And so we, like that man, have to find somebody who does. And sometimes we're tempted and sometimes we're spirit-led and it's okay to ask somebody else to help in that. But the biggest temptation that we face at times is to try to find somebody in the natural realm who could help us with this false responsibility that we're carrying. And what we as a people of God need to understand is that God is the one who has the answers. God is the one who can change the circumstances. God is the one that we have to turn to. God is the friend that has all of the assets to meet the need, has the wisdom to move in on the circumstances, has the ability to change the people's heart. God is the one. And so therefore, we have to go to him. Now in verse 7, after the man has asked the one who has the goods to supply or the one who has the need, says, And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. 
The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of the persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, what's interesting is that some of the parables that Jesus taught were contrasting parables, not comparisons. Most of them were comparisons. The kingdom of God is like. But some of them, such as in Luke 18, the 18th chapter of this gospel, you'll find the story of the woman and the unjust judge. And how that the woman had a legitimate legal need, and she went to the judge, and the judge wouldn't grant it because he was corrupt. She didn't have enough money to pay him on the side for him to rule. Set her aside. Don't mess with her. Let's get on with the more important case and grease my palm. I look more important. I get something out of it. But because of her persistency, her importunity, her shameless and bold stand and demand, her legal right, the judge finally got bothered enough by her presence and constant demanding in a court of law that he eventually ruled in her favor. And then that was a contrast. And then he said, but God, our God, shall avenge us speedily. And in the same way, this friend that has the ability, the assets, to meet the need, didn't want to be bothered because he was, you know, the door was locked up, the whole family was in bed. It was a nuisance. But because the man who was interceding, who was going in behalf of the one without, wouldn't let it go. And because of his persistency, in the narrative, it doesn't tell us that he knocked on the door over and over and over and over again, but the sheer answer of Jesus implies that he did because of his persistence. He didn't knock once, and the guy said, go away, and he, okay, and leave. He knocked again. Eventually, the man, because of the persistence, got out of bed and came and gave him what he needed. And the contrasting thing is that the Lord Jesus himself, that God who cares for us, and he is not there withholding. He has the assets to meet the needs of everyone that is around you. Even though you do not. And it's important to go to God in prayer and intercede for all of those that you're in connection with. And then Jesus keeps talking. And he says in verse 9, And I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Did you know that in the Greek text, it literally says, ask and keep on asking? Because the tense in the Greek implies continuation it's not just ask and then drop it he says ask 
and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be opened unto you. Now, that's not a permission of the Lord Jesus Christ for us to just harass him and just complete, you know, persistent, I'm talking about in doubt and unbelief, just bombarding the gates of heaven and just crying in total unbelief for him to do something when he's already given us the authority to walk into that arena and to demand for justice to be served. It is to keep on persistency in the Spirit, in intercession, demanding by the use of our authority that justice be served. We are the Ecclesia. (laughs) We are the saints of God. We are the ambassadors. We are the church. The ones who have the delegated authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to make sure that his will is done on this earth. When somebody is saved, justice is served. It is injustice for anybody to go to hell. It is unjust for people to suffer in pain and sickness all their lives. It is unjust for people to squalor in misery and poverty, destitute lives. It is unjust for marriages to break up. It is unjust for children to be on drugs. It is unjust for ministers to be attacked and persecuted. It is unjust. And the list goes on and on and on. The injustices that are in the world. Jesus has come by his shed blood to rectify the injustices. There is a justice in the kingdom of heaven. It is declared by justification and by righteousness, which are other legal terms used in the New Testament, that spiritually, that there is a God in heaven who has the answer to all human needs, regardless of who they are, where they are, and what is going on. And that when the kingdom of heaven is is displayed into their lives and the needs are met, then justice from the throne of God itself is served in that person's life. How do we serve that justice? Many different ways. Believing God using our authority, etc. But intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. When we intercede and we keep interceding. See, one of the neat things about intercessory prayer, I'm talking about praying in tongues primarily here right now, people. Yes, in intercessory prayer, I can say, God bless Lois. In the name of Jesus, I pray for her. I can do that in English. But as soon as I get to the end of my understanding, I switch over to the Holy Spirit's understanding, and I begin to go, And I begin to intercede, and I begin to draw from that wells of mystery of the kingdom of God, and everything that in the assets of heaven itself, and what God has for her life. And the Holy Spirit is moving through, 
through me. And he's not originating things in my mind because that's not where tongues come from. That's where English comes from. But in this uh, language of the spiritual realm, he begins to draw those assets and he begins to speak them into her life. He begins to bind the enemy in certain situations. He begins to change circumstances. He begins to release the kingdom into her life. And I intercede and I intercede and I intercede and I intercede and I'm persistent. And the reason I can be persistent is because sometimes, like I said earlier, where there are people in total doubt and unbelief because they don't know who they are in Jesus Christ will constantly bug God thinking that by the scripture is is uh, giving us a license to just bug him into the point to where he'll eventually do something about it that is so erroneous why in the world would you have to bug God to do something that he already provided for you 2,000 years ago and Jesus's shed blood has already purchased what kind of a God do we serve? So many people, their position, their couch, their framework of prayer is that I'm here trying to talk God into doing something for me. No, that's not mine. I don't believe that's the scriptures. Our prayer life is connecting and communing with God so that we receive what he has already supplied 2,000 years ago when he, Jesus, hung on the cross of Calvary, died and was raised from the dead. And whatever that blood bought, I now intercede into manifestation in my life and your life. I'm not trying to talk God into doing it. Who can say? That Jesus will die or raise from the dead again. The scripture declares, no, it's not going to happen. But my scripture tells me in the book of Hebrews that once and for all, he has died. The intercession is locking into the flow and the move of the spirit. And realizing that that knothead that we're having trouble with and we just as soon clobber him as look at him. That in love and in intercession, I can pray and I can pray and I can be persistent. And the reason that it has an effect on their lives is not because I am controlling their will, but because I am locking hold together with them. In the spirit, I am connecting with God's destiny for them. I am allowing the Holy Spirit to use me and to use my mouth and to use my authority and to allow the words of the language of heaven to come forth through me and to enter into that man's life and begin to give him a break and to bind off demonic influences and begin to change minds and open things where he might be... Uh, available to the revelation of God and what Jesus wants to do in him. And in that place where we've helped him out, he can turn his heart to God and he can get saved or he can become more loving, etc., etc. Interceding in the Spirit. And interceding in the Spirit is not all oh, hard work. There's a joy of intercession. <laughs> Jesus himself, before he went to the cross, says for the joy he endured the cross, the joy that was set before him. 
He knew the end result. And I tell you what, in intercessory prayer and in travail and the deep groanings of the Spirit and all he's working through us, sometimes it is work. But the joy of knowing the answer, the joy of knowing that we're being used by the Holy Spirit in that person's life and what Jesus is going to do for them becomes a motivating factor. And in the midst of that, there may be times where we weep because we feel the Holy Spirit crying over the soul of that individual or over the sickness that's there, or over the limitations that may even be in our own lives and trying to keep us from going forward into our destiny and what God has called us into. It may be that we laugh and we dance around our living room. It may be that we shout with joy as we learn to flow with the Holy Spirit and with not only the leading but the emotions and the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. And we intercede and we intercede and we intercede and we bring from he who has God himself the assets and begin to release them and pray them into the situation. Hallelujah. That's how nations are changed. That's how governments are changed. That's how hearts are healed and changed. That's how people are prayed into the kingdom of God. But then he says in verse 10, For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives, and he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, it will be opened. He says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Of course not. If you go to God, and whatever you ask, your heavenly father is there to give it to you. He will pour it through the spirit into your life. He wants you to have it. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, Will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And that's not just give the Holy Spirit so that they can be saved. It's give the Holy Spirit to his children so that the Holy Spirit can intercede through us and change the circumstances. Think about what an honor it is to be used by the Lord as an intercessor. That the intercession ministry of the Lord Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit flows through the body of Christ to bring deliverance to those that are around us. Loved ones need us to intercede. Our friends need us to intercede. The world, the lost, need us to intercede. We bring the power of heaven and the answers from God himself to the problems that are confronting people that are around us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everybody listening now. Lord God, that you would place within us to be intercessors for the Lord Jesus Christ, to stand in the gap, those who can't do it for themselves. I release the anointing of God for intercessory prayer upon my listeners now for you to reward and bless them for their intercession 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Won't you join me in future episodes as I continue to share my heart with you, my experiences, also God's Word? Subscribe to Third Heaven Authority with Mike Thompson on this podcast network so you don't miss a single episode. God bless you and intercede in the Spirit.